Let me start with a question. How many of you believe that the Spirit of God goes before us in order to prepare situations where he wants to move and have us involved in the process? I'll ask that again. How many of you believe that the Spirit of God goes before us in order to prepare, prepare situations where he wants to move and he wants to involve us in the process? Do you believe that? Here we are at the dawn of a new year. And I believe the Holy Spirit is already moving. I believe the, the Holy Spirit has already gone ahead of us, each of us, to prepare situations where he wants to involve us where he wants to do new things, new wonderful things in the world. And he wants to do it with us. And he's setting us up for new encounters with him and new ways to move with him. You know, the Lord loves to bring freedom. Whenever we see people bound up, whenever we see situations that are stuck and are captive, the Lord loves to bring freedom. The Lord loves to bring wholeness where we see brokenness. The Lord loves to bring blessing wherever we go. He loves to heal. He loves to restore. He loves to equip. He loves to pour out joy and creativity. And he loves more than anything to use us to do it. And so the Lord has already got plans for what he wants to do in the earth this year. And he's got your name on some of those plans. He's gone ahead of you. And if you don't believe that, I want to just speak the scriptures to you. Because the Bible promises that God has gone before us to set us up in exactly this way. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 says this, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has begun to perceive all of the good things that God has for those who love him. There are things that we haven't even begun to imagine yet. Things that we couldn't possibly fathom that God has already got to work on, that God has already begun to prepare, ready for us to step into them. Ephesians chapter 2 says that God prepares good works in advance for us to do them. That we're his workmanship, and he has prepared good things for us to do in advance. I believe the Spirit of the Lord is already working on those plans and purposes for us. And so here we are at the beginning of the year, and... We're looking out ahead, and we're looking out with anticipation, and we're looking out with an understanding that God is up to things. He's got a twinkle in his eye, and he is already preparing wonderful things for us. Our part is to stay on the path that God has prepared for us, and to stay ready so that when he wants to move, that we're good to go. We need to be the ones staying ready. So I'm going to share with you a revelation that I had about 15 years ago this morning from Ezekiel. And when I was praying about how we go forward, how we step into the things that God has for us this year, this is the, the passage that came back so strongly to me and something that I want to see if I can explain to you and, and give to you as a gift for you to run with this year. It's a picture of how God wants to move with his people. And it's a picture that first came through this prophet Ezekiel um, in visual form. And I believe it holds truth for us to lay hold of in the coming year. Okay? Okay. And before I read it, this is the particular verse that I believe the Lord has for us to hold on to. So you've got it right at the beginning. Each went straight forward, 
wherever the Spirit was about to go, they would go without turning as they went. Let me personalize it for us. I believe we have an opportunity from the Lord in 2020 to reach the end of the year and be able to see how each person in Totnes United Free Church went straight forward, wherever the Spirit was about to go, we would go without turning as we went. That's what I want to be able to see when I get to December, that we were involved with the Lord and the Lord brought us straight forward wherever the Spirit was about to go. So I'm just going to leave it up there for it to sink in while we continue. And to understand this verse properly, we need to see how it sits in the context of Ezekiel's vision. So have you found Ezekiel chapter 1 yet? Now there's a health warning with this chapter. The language is pretty out there. So it's, you'd be forgiven to think that maybe Ezekiel has been eating some funny mushrooms or something because it is really bizarre. This vision is it, it, it's, it's from somewhere else. You know, it's, it's, it's very, very prophetic, and the language is really difficult to get your heads around. But every single bit of it is symbolic, and every single bit of it is very powerful. So I'm just going to kind of throw it at you, and then I'm going to try and help you catch it. Okay. So the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1, verse 1. Now it came about in the 30th year On the fifth day of the fourth month, while I was by the river Chebar among the exiles, the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. It says in brackets, On the fifth of the month, in the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's exile, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans, by the river Chebar, and there the hand of the Lord came upon him. So there's a little kind of introduction, almost from the outside that just confirms who he is and where this is coming from. Back to Ezekiel in the first person, verse 4. As I looked, behold, a storm wind was coming from the north, a great cloud with fire flashing forth continually and a bright light around it. And then in its midst was something like glowing metal in the midst of the fire. Within it, there were figures resembling four living beings, And this was their appearance. They had human form. Each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight and their feet were like a calf's hoof and they gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings on their four sides were human hands. As for the faces, uh, uh, sorry, as for the faces and the wings of the four of them, their wings touched one another, and their faces did not turn as they moved. Each went straight forward. As for the form of their faces, each had the face of a man, all four had the face of a lion on the right, and the face of a bull on the left, and all four had the face of an eagle. eagle. Such were their faces. Their wings were spread out above, and they had two touching another being, and two covering their bodies. And each went straight forward. Wherever the Spirit was about to go, they would go without turning as they went. And in the midst of the living beings, there was something that looked like burning coals of fire, like torches darting back and forth among the living beings. And the fire was bright, and lightning was flashing from the fire. And the living beings ran to and fro like bolts of lightning. 
Is that all straightforward? Okay. Let's try and break this down. <laughs> Ezekiel is in exile. He's in Babylon, seeking the Lord beside a river. He's a priest, he's a spiritual man, and he feels the hand of God come upon him. And the Lord just kind of draws back the curtains of the heavens for him. And he has this a massive, cinematic, apocalyptic type vision. And in this vision, he sees something very new and very powerful coming towards him. He sees a massive storm driving before it, a massive cloud which is glowing with a kind of fire. I love it when prophets try and describe spiritual realities. They're like grasping at words, trying to work out how to possibly put this into language. He said it was like a, a massive cloud with a, a kind of fire. Or there was a light in it that was burning, like burning amber or glowing metal. He's trying to somehow put it into language. It's a cloud of heavenly power and glory, if you will. And inside the cloud, he sees these four beings who seem very strange to us. Very difficult to describe because they're spiritual. They're not from the earth. But they speak of something very glorious and I want to look at them in more detail. So we've got these four spiritual beings. Are you still with me? Okay. Four beings. And it says in this passage that each of them had two sets of wings. So four wings each. And that they were each touching each other with one set of their wings, and they were covering their bodies with the other set of their wings. So as far as I can understand it, because there also seems to be a front and a back to these beings, and they're all touching, they have to be in a, this kind of formation, in a circle. Otherwise, if they're all in a line, you would end up with most of them touching their wings, and then the two on the end aren't touching wings, unless they've got great big flappy wings going over the top. I can't see that. They, they're touching wings. So they're in formation. They've got this kind of togetherness. And the, the interesting thing I find about this is wings in the scriptures has to do with care. It has to do with shelter. It has to do with covering and protection. So Psalm 91 verse 4 says that he, that is God, will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. I love that. And when Jesus wept over Jerusalem, as his tears were falling, he said, how much did I long to gather you together like a hen gathers its chicks under its wings, and yet you would not. So wings in the scriptures, as well as flight, they're a symbol of protection, of care. So how can we understand this and apply this to our own lives? Do you know what? I think that these beings take great spiritual care of themselves, two wings covering their bodies, and they take great spiritual care of one another. They're touching one another. And I want to see a church that has caught the vision for great spiritual self-care and great spiritual care of others, where we're not indifferent about the state of our hearts, but we watch over them refusing to let anything negative or unclean or infected get past our defenses, where we insist on living strong and clean and fiery in the Holy Spirit. Amen? And then more than that, rather than just self-care, 
as well, and staying fiery for the Lord and staying clean for the Lord. We also have this part of us that has a concern for one another, where we want to extend our care and our prayer and our encouragement over those whom we're moving with. What kind of church is that? It's one that is carrying the fire of God. I love it. It matters that we're all spiritually free and in shape and standing strong in the Lord. Let's look at what else these beings have. Verse 10. As for the form of their faces, each had the face of a man. All four had the face of a lion on the right side and the face of the bull on the left. And all four had the face of an eagle. In some translations it says at the front it had the, they had the face of a man. So I see it like this. We all have a human face. These beings had a human face. And it's important. Why? Because we are made for a relationship. We're made to be relatable. When these beings are connecting together, facing one another, they see each other for who they are. And they're very human. And it was something that um, Ezekiel was able to easily recognize. Now, have you ever, I don't know if you've ever been amongst believers who are so spiritual that their language is completely different and they're quite hard to relate to. Have you ever had that experience? I mean, I always admire their zeal. I always admire their passion. And I can learn from some of these people, especially if they're very prophetic people. I can learn a lot about their relationship with God and what they see and how their spirituality functions. But you know what? We as well as being prophets and evangelists and apostles or whatever the Lord might have called us to be, we can also be people. We can be human. We can relate to each other just on a human level, and that's okay. And actually, sometimes we can get to know each other more deeply when sometimes we put all of the other stuff aside and we take off all our badges and all of our, uh, the things that we've collected and the things that we put on ourselves, and actually we can just be human with one another. And it's okay to do that. I believe Jesus was very much like that. He was very human. He was able to chat about normal, everyday things as well as sharing profound, divine truth. So these beings each have a relatable face. Let's fill in the other three. So, behind the human face, the flip side of the human face is the eagle face. And they also each have a lion face and an the face of an ox. So, let's, let's go to the eagle. If the human face is very down to earth, very relatable, the eagle is the opposite. I mean, it's on the other side. The, the, where does the eagle live? He makes his nest in the heights. The eagle exists up, up, up there. You know, way up. He can fly higher than any other bird. The eagle is born to be right up in the stratosphere, right where the air is thin and silent, soaring on the thermals. The eagle has a perspective which is way beyond what most other birds would have. Okay? They can see miles and miles. They see the curvature of the earth. And in the scripture, the, the eagle is related to prophecy. The symbol of the eagle is connected deeply with the symbol of prophecy. 
And we can see it, like the prophet, the one who makes his home in the high places, the one who ascends with God to the thin places where it's easy to hear God's voice. It's easy to get his perspective and to see further in the spirit. It's the opposite of that man face that's very down to earth, but it's just as important. So all of God's people need to develop this aspect of being. We're not just human beings, we're also spiritual beings, We don't just engage with the world. We must also learn to hear God and be moved by God on the thermals of the Spirit. We need to develop this aspect to us. Behind our relatable faces, we need to cultivate this nearness to God and allow him to give us his perspective on the world. Is that true? Then we can speak his word into the situations that we're engaged with. We can offer a different godly perspective and speak life into situations. And what I like most of all about this is when people get to know us, they get to know there's something behind this relatable face that we have. We're not simply just easy people to relate to. There is something beyond. There is something behind this face that we have, which isn't false. It's because we've been with God. It's not a two-faced thing in a negative way. It's a, I've got my face that I'm relating to you with, which is down to earth. I just want to hear what's going on in your life. But also, I've been with God. I've just spent time with the Lord and I've got something to say. I've got something to bring. And I love it when you meet someone like that and you you can just see beyond that initial relationship. There's so much to this person. They're a deep well of the word of God. So we have the human face and then we have the eagle face. We have the relatable. We have the prophetic. And then on the right we have the lion face. And in the scriptures, the lion represents authority. In Revelation 5.5, John hears one of the elders of heaven say, Stop weeping. Look, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the heir to David's throne, has won the victory. He is worthy to open the scroll and its seven seals. That's another quite out there vision, isn't it? Trying to describe something. But it's clear. This This is a really clear picture of the lion face. The lion is one who has authority to break what is sealed or locked or stuck and to open possibilities, to see the will of heaven gets done. Amen? So as well as developing spiritual relatability and prophetic spirituality, we need to grow in spiritual authority as people to understand who Jesus is and the authority that he bestows upon us and how to take authority over situations with him. Amen? Jesus actually used his authority all the time. When a storm blew up in the boat, and everyone's freaking out, and they think they're going to drown, does he use his wisdom to know how to sail the boat? Does he use his his, um, grace to be able to encourage the sailors to be able to keep going until we reach the shore? No, he stands up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And by his authority, the calm just comes, the storm just calms right down. And in that moment, his disciples saw something in him that was brand new. They said, who is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. By his authority, he moved. Every single time that Jesus confronted a demon, every single time, by his authority, they, they left. They, they never stood up to his authority whatsoever. And when he taught, actually, this was the distinguishing mark of Jesus' teaching. He taught as one who had 
authority. That's Matthew 7, 28. And then he said to his followers, all authority, say all authority. All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Now go make disciples. So Jesus has authority above everything in heaven and on earth. And then he said it's yours to use. I think we need to learn to use the authority of God a lot more than we do. Is that true? He said whatever you bind on earth will have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be released in the spiritual realm. Now go, do what I do. And we need to learn to walk in the authority of the risen Lord Jesus Christ. So that's part of what we're going to be looking at this year. And then finally, on the opposite side to the lion, what do we have? Last one, the ox. Some of your translations will say the bull. In Scripture, the ox represents service. He's a beast of burden, a grafter. A stubborn worker that just keeps going and going and going and never gives up. He's the opposite of a lion. You try and put a harness on a lion all day and make him work. He's not going to do it. But an ox will just keep plowing on and plowing on and plowing on. How much do we need to develop our ox spirituality? Simple, stubborn obedience to God. The Lord has told me, I'm going to get it done. And Jesus had this in spades as well. He said, I am always ready to work because my Father is always working. And when they got tired, when he and his disciples got knackered and they just wanted a break and they jump in a boat and they're trying to escape to the other side of the lake just to get away from the people because they were so tired. And the people would see him going and they'd run around the lake and they'd catch him on the other side and there was already a crowd waiting for them. More people, more needs. More desperation, more healing needed, more people troubled and disturbed. And it's, you can almost hear the audible cry from the disciples, the sigh, the groan of, oh man, we just needed a couple of days off. And what does Jesus do? He gets to work. He finds this extra level of graft in him. And he gets up and he starts healing the sick. He starts releasing people. And then he starts feeding the 5,000. It's just what he's like. We need that kind of strength to keep going until we get stuff done. Oxes are also very compliant. They do what they're asked to do, and they go where they're led, without complaining. Without ox spirituality, we will be difficult to steer and maneuver for God. You ever thought about that? How, how easy am I to lead? It's a good question. How easy is it for God to steer and maneuver my life? Am I stubborn? Do I always get distracted and go in the wrong direction? Or am I easily led? Am I compliant? With the ox spirituality, we can be easily led into the harvest field. And we need, to, we need that stubborn obedience of the ox. So, just as an aside, and I'm going to say this because I find it massively fascinating and interesting. You can see these divine attributes reflected in the four Gospels. Each of the four Gospels emphasizes a different face in the life of Jesus. So Luke is a very relatable Gospel. It's the man face of Jesus. He emphasizes the humanity of Jesus. 
So when we do the nativity and we've got all that relationship at the beginning between Mary and Joseph and Elizabeth and Zechariah and there's shepherds in there and there's all, it's all kind of very earthy. It's all very relatable. It's human stories all bound up with what God is doing. And in um, Luke chapter 3, there's this massive genealogy in there. Have you ever read through that? Where does it go back to? It goes back to Adam, the first man. It is firmly establishing that Jesus' humanity that he is a man, that he is somebody that we can relate to. And then it goes on through the book with tons of parables about things that we find easy to relate to, full of stories, full of moments. And yeah, it's Jesus' man face that is emphasized. Matthew also has a genealogy, but it doesn't go back to Adam. Actually, verse 1 of Matthew starts off with... Uh, a very clear picture of Jesus as the Messiah. It says, This is a record of the ancestors of Jesus the Messiah, a descendant of who? King David, and then back to Abraham. Verse 1 sets out Jesus' authority. It introduces him as the Messiah, heir to the throne of David, the lion of the tribe of Judah. Matthew is full of power battles and authority questions, and it depicts Jesus' lion face. Can anyone guess which face, which face Mark depicts? The ox. Totally. If you read Mark, it is so fast-moving. You just go from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing to thing. Then Jesus did this. Then Jesus did that. Then he got up from there, and he went here, and he did this. It's exhausting. There's a point in Mark where his family are so frustrated with the amount Jesus is doing, with how hard he's working, they come and try and stop him. And Jesus turns to his followers and he says, who are my, my mother and my brothers? He says, it is those who do the will of my father. It's those amongst you who are grafting like oxes, who are doing the stuff. So which gospel portrays the eagle face of Jesus? John. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through him, and nothing was created without him. In him was the light. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. I mean, it's prophetic language. It's up there somewhere, isn't it? It's like up in the stratosphere, John's Gospel. It's amazing. It doesn't begin with a genealogy. It begins with a revelation of the Trinity and then also intermingled with this revelation of who Jesus is as the light being sent into the world. There's this story of a prophet, of John the Baptist. And then quite, quite near the beginning of John's Gospel, it, it talks about how John then prophesies uh, the prophetic identity over Jesus as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I mean, it's so far-sighted. It's such an incredible perspective right at the very beginning of who Jesus is. It's breathtaking. So this is the four Gospels we've been blessed with. This is the four aspects of, the, of God demonstrated so powerfully by Jesus and then handed to you that, and me that we might grow to become like him. What an invitation. So if we're willing to develop our relatability and our prophetic spirituality and our spiritual authority and our stubborn obedience... When we then come together as a church, we have a tremendous opportunity. Let's read verses 12 and 13. 
Each went straight forward. Wherever the Spirit was about to go, they would go without turning as they went. And in the midst of the living beings, there was something that looked like burning coals of fire, like torches darting back and forth amongst the living beings. There was bright, and the the fire was bright, and lightning was flashing from the fire, and the living beings ran, ran to and fro like bolts of lightning. I love this. So these fully formed spiritual beings are able to do three things when they're together. One, they fire each other up. There's something about these beings that fire each other up. There's fire moving to and from all the time in between these beings, like coals or torches or flames darting back and forth amongst them. They fired one another up with the strength of their spirituality. Do you like the sound of that? I do. That's exactly what happens when you're around fired up people. When you're around someone who's just burning for Jesus and they're full of the word of God and they're spiritually just fiery, you catch something of that fire. You come away burning brighter yourself. I love that. And we need to do that for one another this year. So get fired up in the Lord. If you don't want to do it for yourself, do it for me. So that when I'm around you and when we're together, I can get more fired up myself. I want that. Number two, this is our verse of the year. Each went straight forward. Wherever the Spirit was about to go, they would go without turning as they went. So this is not where they saw the Spirit at work, they went. This is more dynamic than that. Wherever the Spirit was about to go, they would go without turning as they went. In other words, when the Spirit whispers to them, I am about to do something over here, without hesitation, they begin to move in that direction. They don't need to question. They don't need to reorganize themselves. They don't need to set up a planning committee about it. Hallelujah. They just go straight in. They just move where they sense God is about to go, seeking to position themselves so that when the Spirit begins to move, they're already there and ready to go. It said they moved so fast that they were like lightning. I want to see more Christianity that's like that, don't you? Where we're hearing and sensing where God is about to do something and we just start to move and we just get there. I want to move a bit quicker. I want to be in the right place at the right time. Doesn't that excite your spirit? What if we could learn to be so fast moving with God that we continually get to be there, front row, when he's moving and releasing power and blessing, fired up and ready to go, always ready and in the right place at the right time. That's how I want to spend 2020. And you can see, you can sense Jesus in that, can't you? Jesus is always moving. He's moving, moving, moving. He senses the Spirit is going somewhere. He goes. And then he always seems to land in the right place at the right time already fired up and ready to go. It's because Jesus lived this, and he called us to do the same. But here's the key. They were able to go wherever the Spirit was about to go because they didn't have to keep turning around and reorganizing themselves in order to move. So just look at the screen for a moment. So we've got like a bird's eye view of these beings that are moving, that are trying to describe something of how heaven moves with earth. Now, imagine you're, in the, you're standing in the place where the cross is, and you're looking in at these beings. Which faces are facing you? You've got the eagle, the ox, the lion, and the human. So imagine you're 
up there somewhere on the ceiling, which faces are facing you? The eagle, the lion, the human, the ox. This makes me feel very clever, by the way. <laughs> or if you're, if you're over there in my office and you're looking, you still get all four represented. If you're down here, you're all four represented all the time because everybody has developed this, these four aspects of their spirituality. Everyone has allowed themselves to be fully functional in these four ways. And so when God says to this group of of beings, or let's say this group of people in the room here, I want you over there, they don't have to say, well, which one of us has got the ox face? And which one of us has got the lion face? Which one of us is most relatable? Okay, you go first. It's not like that. You don't have to organize ourselves in, in, in any kind of way, because we're all able to move in all these different directions. So if any four of us go in anywhere, we can all move in these different ways, and because we've learned, we've cultivated this way of being. And it makes us much more maneuverable as a church because we've all done the hard work of growing with God and able to bring a word of authority. And we're able to hear a word from the Lord. And we're able to relate to new people, even if they're very different from us. We're able to keep going when it gets hard. So any of us can go in any direction because we've become fully formed men and women of the Most High God. Amen? If we're willing to let him develop us all into relatable, prophetic workers who carry his authority, we can move with him into some extraordinary things this year, I believe. So I believe God would have us spend a bit of time in this passage this year, letting it shape us and form us and breathe upon the fiery spirituality that's in this church. Amen? We're going to have a preaching series throughout February and March focusing on these four faces. And I believe with all my heart that as we get intentional about this, God is going to form us and teach us and move us with him in a whole new way. So my prayer is that we'll get to the end of the year and this verse will have been true for us. Ezekiel 1.12. In 2020, each person in Tottenham United Free Church went straight forward. Wherever the Spirit was about to go, they would go without turning as they went. Amen.